I'm going to get more content into the hands of the right people over time. And it's going to become more and more effective as it builds, you know, sorry to say it, but it's a flywheel, right? Uh, you've got to keep on developing it in order for it to actually be effective. You're listening to Content Logistics, a podcast for B2B marketers looking to build a content engine that drives revenue. In each episode, Camille Trent interviews the marketers behind the best content marketing flywheels and uncovers the tactical aspects of content production from first draft to first customer. Good morning and welcome to another episode of Content Logistics. I'm your host, Camille Trent, and this episode is brought to you by my good friends, Tristan and Justin over at Motion. Motion is a full stack podcasting agency. That means they will help you launch your show. They will help you repurpose that show. They will help you produce the show. They will help you look good so that you can just focus on the interview and the customer and the audience. So if you haven't checked them out yet, highly recommend them. I think their quality, and I've worked with lots of agency now, agencies now, is top notch. So today our guest is Mark Thomas. He is the head of growth at Powered by Search, a content marketing agency. We're going to decide once and for all, are ebooks dead? All right. Thanks for coming on, Mark. I'm super excited about this episode. As I said in my intro, been following you for a while, your content. Basically, I think I might have subscribed back in my marketer hire days. Don't quote me on that, but uh, I want to say I attended a, a Powered by Search webinar and then I started getting your newsletters and I was like, these are actually really good. These are good like marketing newsletters. So I was, uh, I would actually read them. And then Twitter threads, LinkedIn, like just kind of became a fan, a uh, power user. And so uh, that's uh, kind of what, what brought us here. It was kind of inevitable. I thought that we have had a session, but I'm really excited for this specific topic because when we are brainstorming on topics just for everyone who's listening one that we came up with was leads like we started started talking about lead and lead generation and with everything that's going on on linkedin you would think that you know lead gen is dead and lead lead magnets are dead and so we want to kind of dive into that and see whether or not that is the case but basically i think there is an ebook burning party that is going on continuously <laughs> on LinkedIn. And we, but you mentioned that you've actually seen like some success, like from, from lead magnets and you have a specific, you know, process that we're going to break down on mm. how to make those work for you. So a quick background on this though, to kind of level set is from Refine Labs. I believe they've said that 0.01% of eBooks like that they see convert, but then in talking to, you know, other content marketers, other marketers, I've heard as high as like, 7% and by converting, I'm saying like becomes a customer, right? Like all the way, like conversion. So that's pretty high. That's like a pretty good engine if you can get that to happen. And then I also talked to someone who is a member of a community, did a ebook, like a partner ebook with this community. And that helped like pay off their entire membership. And the ebook was just a small portion of that. So, you know, it can work. It can work for people. I think like there's some evidence of that. And yeah, I want to just kick this off with uh, your hot take. So is lead gen dead? <laughs> and what's your definition of lead gen and how can it work in 2022? Well, firstly, thanks for having me on. That was a very nice intro. I really did my ego a lot of good. But look, I'll get right to it. I actually don't know what the difference between lead gen, lead gen and demand gen is, if I'm honest with you. I see people talking about it all the time on LinkedIn and I think like, who cares? Like, let's make some money. That's what I'm, that's what I'm interested in doing with content, right? 
if we can get people to do it, I'm like, I don't mind what you call what you call it. Like, you want to call it lead gen, that's great. If you want to call it demand gen, that's fine with me. At the end of the day, what I want to do is I want to get people who have a pain point that need your product and basically nurture them along the awareness journey to the point where they go, yeah, I'm going to buy that now. And so that's, I think that's my hottest take is like, who cares? It's like, let's, are we driving revenue or are we, are we driving like something else? So yeah, I don't know. Is that, does that answer your question? I love that as an answer. I love anyone that's opinionated. And I think that we can both align on that, right? Like revenue, revenue being the goal, I think. Literally, uh, any marketer who's worth their salt can align on that. Yeah. I think how, how I define it is, is one way that I think about it is like, it's almost like the volume approach of like going high volume, get, getting contacts, leads and working those leads basically, right? Like getting contacts mm. and working those contacts through nurtures. I think that there's a gray area of like what I wouldn't really call lead gen, but that I, what I would just call marketing, right? Where it's like your intent is not like to sell them right away. Your intent is just like to continue providing them value, right? And so whether or not that happens like yeah. on LinkedIn of like you have people that are following you and you are putting out content daily or at least regularly and you do it that way, whether it's through paid, same thing of you're targeting mm-hmm. a specific amount of people, you're putting out, uh, you know, helpful content regularly or whether it happens in email, right? Where like you have some sort of a list, right? But you're not necessarily putting them in a sequence, like a selling sequence. You're just sending them the same content that you're putting on LinkedIn or that you're putting in your paid. You know what I mean? You're sending them that same sort of content. So at the end of the day, is that lead gen or is it just marketing, right? And so I think to some degree, you can say that lead gen is a tactic, right? One tactic to go about it. And so that could be one definition that, that we start with is thinking about collect whether or not you need to collect contacts or collect emails, whether or not that's important for 2022 and then just like that volume mm. play in general so we can we can kind of start there but before that let's yeah. back it up you know mention that you're the head of growth at powered by search but you have kind of an interesting background so why should i trust your opinion on um <laughs> on lead gen and uh, on ebooks uh, give me a little bit of background on uh where you came from yeah sure well i actually started out as a journalist so you know while we were talking about this my degree was in European Union studies, which is like basically French and German and political science. And as a guy in the UK, like, and Brexit having happened, my degree suddenly feels very pointless other than the fact that I could speak a bunch of languages. But after my degree, I kind of went to journalism school, learned how to write big, long profiles of people basically for magazines and, and did that for a while. And effectively, like, I think journalism is a great entry into marketing. And you know, there's a heap of content marketers who are ex-journalists, like Amanda, for example, Amanda Natividad, very accomplished journalist, right? But there's actually also another angle to this, which is that like journalists who interview people for a living tend to become very, very good at being empathetic. My specialty was basically writing profiles of academics. So I'd like interview people at length and, you know, find out, you know, about their relationships to their mothers and how that kind of impacts their work and stuff like that. And, you know, like doing that kind of work makes you empathetic. And at the end of the day, when you think about marketing and SaaS marketing as well, you know, in particular, what you're really trying to do is understand, oh, hey, what's the problem that like you have and how does that come out in your day-to-day life? And then how can I help you solve it, if at all? And like, what information do I need to get you to a place where you want to solve it with me, right? 
that's I think something that maybe when someone says, "Hey, journalists should be marketers," they're thinking about because they can write or because they can produce audio or whatever. But actually, I think there's a really soft skill, which is like having a deep understanding of how people work. That's really, really valuable. So, you know, after I was a journalist, I I ran a startup. I ran a SaaS company. It was moderately successful, I will say. Like, it didn't blow anyone's socks off, but like we lived off it for years. And and you know, I joined Powered by Search at the start of the pandemic when. I think everyone was tired, and I thought, "Man, I am tired of running a company here. So I'm going to go off and help people like grow theirs because that's what I'm really good at. And I don't want to run a business. I just want to help people grow their companies. So yeah, that's that's where I came from. And you know, I've got the I've got the experience from having run a startup. I've got the experience now from having worked on companies from. Like seed stage, all the way up to kind of like you know sixty, seventy million dollar turnovers, and helping them kind of build out demand gen in their in their businesses. So, yeah, I don't know. Hopefully, that's convincing to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I think that going back to empathy, right? Or like, can do you understand my pain, right? Because I push back on this a lot. Of you know, most advice is not one size fits all, and we'll get into that during this episode. But mm -hmm. you know, having run a business yourself, or having run a SaaS business yourself, right? Like that's like what who I want to hear from, right? It's like, do you do you get it? Like, have you had to do it before? Like, have you figured out what doesn't work, basically, and ruled that out for me? And then you know, also in your spot, I would say that you you see a bunch of different clients, right? A bunch of different types of SaaS companies and situations, and so mm. you know, you have that pattern recognition. So. That's what I would say for the listeners on top of Mark clearly understanding content marketing from my perspective. So that's kind of the why. And so let's get into like the why would anyone want to gate content? Let's start there. It's a good question. I, well, hey, right at the start of the show, you mentioned Refine Labs. Like I actually really respect those guys from, from a certain perspective. Like I really value the way they've gone about building their business. I deeply disagree with a lot of their worldview. And I don't think it's the best way to build a SaaS business, but they've got the receipts, right? Pete Caputa for the CEO of Databox the other day called Chris Walker, the Brian Halligan of 2022 and said, he's got the receipts. And I thought, you know what? Like as much as I might disagree with, with some of the things that those guys say, like, yeah, you know, he's done a good job there, but let me be clear about why I disagree. Most SaaS companies are on two sides of the scale, right? So there's like a middle ground, which is just like pretty boring businesses, but then either side of those scales, you've got people with very low average contract value who need a whole bunch of customers to actually make their businesses work. On the other end of the scale, you've got high ACV businesses who don't need that many customers, but the challenge that those guys have is that like a tiny percentage of their market are buying at their product or a product in their category at any one time. Both of those companies need people who are outside of their like rented audiences to actually be nurturing, to be building their awareness over time. Because look, we're in what, July, 15th of July today, just earlier in this week, a huge SaaS company announced that they'd laid off 29% of their staff, right? Why does that happen? Well, it happens because there's not enough business. 
to match up to the valuations. The challenge for SaaS companies is to get the pipelines that they have, especially in sales-driven companies, to be strong enough and resilient enough that they can convert people at the right pace. My challenge to people who say, hey, let's like let's not gate anything or like let's gate minimal things and then basically we'll just be ever present on like LinkedIn or Twitter or whatever whatever it is is like what happens in a financial crisis? Like what do you do then? Are you just like waiting for people to say, hey, maybe I should check those guys out? That's why I think it is important to build a pipeline and build awareness so that when when these challenges come, you're able to go, well, hey, look, we're working on these guys because they are product they're product aware and they're gonna buy. They're ready to make a choice. Our sales team's talking to those guys. Our marketing team is driving people down that awareness journey. So that that's the kind of the crux of the argument for me and, and the kind of the big difference that I have I think from many of the many of the people talking about stuff like gated content I'm actually pretty convinced that it's it's a good thing for the world yeah I mean it's a compelling case and you know we'll, we'll move into the logistics here in a bit too but yeah I think if you look at SaaS companies you have to look at like how they were built to begin with too right like what was that thing that got them from like zero to one or like zero to five and stuff because usually like you're not ready for an agency that can put gas on the fire, so to say, until you've done those things. And so, so I think there's something to be said for stages, right? Like what should your go to market be in different stages, right? And like, what's going to get it going? What's mm. going to get it growing basically, if you look at it that way. So going back into yeah. the logistics of this, when, so like this, this is kind of actually a perfect segue. So what stage, what prereqs, like what types of things should you have in place before thinking about employing kind of a gated asset strategy? Yeah, great question. Honestly, I don't think that, you know, you said a one size fits all thing. I don't think one size does fit all, but equally, that means that there are many different variations of this. So let me give you some kind of typical examples that I see. So we work with an early stage company. They're, they're probably the earliest company that we work with, but they've got a really good trajectory. They're at series A now, and they are investing heavily in paid media. Now, makes sense when you're driving leads to your website through paid media that you're also, you know, getting them into your pipeline in a way that you can continue to nurture them. So for example, sending somebody from, I don't know, like a LinkedIn ad directly to a landing page on your website where you're going to offer them a, a short, well-defined ebook because of their stage of awareness, right? That makes sense because you're going to end up having to look at the ROI of that and your activity there. And you're also going to be driving people along the the kind of the awareness journey as you go. That's one example. On the other hand, you think about like, we actually work with a lot of companies that make CRM style products. So some of them are like just straight CRM. Some of them are more like a kind of a, you know, a full toolkit for businesses, but they're all kind of in specific industries. Now, those products tend to have huge average contract values. It makes a heap of sense to a kind of a gated offer for people like that. The reason for that is like, let's say I'm a dentist and I'm choosing a 
a CRM product for my specific dentistry business, like whatever kind of dentistry business I run, like I'm going to pick one right now, but in like a couple of years, I might choose another one. Or maybe I already have a dentistry product in place. I can't believe I'm using dentistry, by the way, as an example, but like maybe I'm thinking about changing or maybe what I've got already isn't working for me. Right. So like, sure, I could go and hang out in the places where dentists hang out and just talk about CRM products. But like, I could also offer them something related to the, the stage of awareness that they're at and basically say, you want to like stay in touch. Let's, let's like talk over time, you know, with marketing messages, retargeting audiences, things like that. That makes sense as well. Right. And, and then, you know, I mentioned earlier on this kind of like bell curve of stuff, like in the middle, maybe there are better things that you could be doing. Like maybe you should be investing mostly in kind of content brand kind of awareness stuff versus like just pure, like capture demand, build, build awareness, you know, capture revenue at the end of the day. Those are some typical scenarios that I see. Nice. Okay. So just going back to stages, do you think that gated assets are a better tactic for large ACVs, small ACVs, or it's just, you're going to be sending them slightly different content. It's different content for sure, but like, and it also makes up a part of a broader mix, right? I think, again, you mentioned like a foundational set. What do you have to have in place? Like there are fundamental things that you should also have in place, right? So content on your website that maybe isn't gated, like for example, competitor comparison pages or use case pages or, you know, like pain point related blog posts, those things are like, they're such gimmies in SaaS marketing. Like you just, if you have them, you're going to convert people at some people are going to hit that and go, yeah, okay. I'm at the right stage. I'm ready to convert anyway. So great. This is just giving me everything I need to, but like, let's assume you've got all of that in place, high ACV products. Absolutely. They should be collecting email addresses through gated gated resources of some kind, then at the very bottom end, yeah, definitely. If you've got a low ACV, you're going to have to convert a heck of a lot of people in order to make your business actually grow at the rate that you want it to. So yeah, absolutely. Collect some email addresses. Like maybe you use those email addresses differently, but at the same time, you've got them, right? They're not just like people off in the in the kind of the nebula of the internet, just floating around going like, Hey, I saw that post that you did on LinkedIn and that was great. Uh, yeah, no, no. Okay. Know. This is a, a nice segue, I think into what next, right? Like, so you, you mentioned like collecting email addresses, that's obviously not the, the end goal unless you are a media company, but most SaaS companies are not having to, or are having to sell a SaaS product. Right. And so there's a, yeah. there's another goal there. And so you know, basically like what should we be doing like with these, these email addresses and how that strategy might differ if you are a PLG type company and maybe yeah, mm-hmm. just one-offs like seat-based or if you're like high ACV and obviously there's uh, overlap there, right? You can have lots of seats and that makes you high ACV type product. But yeah, just get, getting into like, we've done it, we've collected the email addresses. How are we kind of like treating treating those emails? Yeah, sure. So the first things first, like there are different stages of awareness, right? So if you've never thought about this before, and I assume that most of your listeners think about this all the time, but just in case you've got effectively problem unaware. So people who've never thought, Hey, I've got a problem. Like I'm a dentist. I need some better way to 
I'm stuck with a dentist analogy now, but I'm a dentist. I need some way to collect information about my patients and manage my uh, invoicing and all that kind of stuff, right? That's like, I, I've never thought about that. Then you've got problem aware, basically people who've gone, man, the spreadsheet that I use to manage my dentistry business, like it just isn't cutting it. It's a massive data problem. Like I've got problems here, right? So then the next stage is solution awareness, where you go, I know that there are products out there that can help me manage this, but, but which one's for me? Do I use Airtable? Do I use HubSpot? Do I use a dentistry specific CRM? And then you've got product awareness, which is like, Hey, I need dentist co CRM. Like that's the one I need. Or, you know, maybe I've got like a small subset of uh, other options that I'm, t I'm trying to decide between the critical part of this is to create content that aligns to the stage of awareness that a person may be at. Now you can't know that in advance a lot of the time, you know, maybe you're sending paid pay traffic to them, or maybe you've sent a kind of search traffic somehow to one of these landing pages where a lead magnet is being offered. The reality is you're probably creating a number of these pieces of content. The goal is to get somebody from the stage that they're at to the next stage and then give them a credible offer to take it further if they want to. That's the baseline of this whole strategy. And it's why we see people convert, you know, at a much higher rate from, you know, MQL, which is effectively like for most people, a lead magnet download, like someone would say that's an MQL, um, to trial or demo of a product, which I think you would probably qualify as an SQL in most businesses and meaningfully. So like those, those deals convert, we see people do that at like 10% versus 2.5 to 5%. Like that's a huge difference. And the, the downstream result of that is that like revenue goes up. And so what are we doing with that stuff? Like, do you want to talk about that briefly? Uh, or do you want to talk about the mechanism that we use to actually get people along the stages of awareness? What's your preference? Yeah, let's, let's start at the beginning. Let's talk kind of, since you're talking in terms of like funnel, let's just like kind of go through, go through the funnel. Okay, cool. I can share like a really specific example. So like a kind of case study with you here. So we had this, uh, we had this client and by the way, this case study is not atypical. Like it's just one that I'm able to share. So we had this client, which is basically like a, they make like a financial advisory software for it's a CRM product for financial advisors. Basically they've got this model, which is free trial with sales support. So they need to get a good number of MQLs to actually make their business work in the first place. But at the end of the day, they need to convert those somehow, right? So the disconnect that they were seeing was that they had MQLs that are effectively languishing in their pipeline. They were just like, Hey, marketing, great. We've pushed someone to the stage, you know, the life cycle stage MQL. Now that we need them to get to a demo or trial, but they're not doing it. Why aren't they doing it? Right? So that was kind of the problem that we saw. Now there were a couple of issues with that. So what was happening was that these laid magnets were like the ultimate guide or, you know, like it's just these kind of like vacuous lead magnets that people create, which are like a million pages long, like a Gartner report, like, sorry to anyone from Gartner listening, but like those things are boring as <laughs> like, I don't want to read one of those. It doesn't really help me with my life, but like the lead magnets that we create for clients are like super specific. So we realized that basically these financial advisors who are effectively the customer of our client were realizing that they have this specific problem. And this is not like, this is not complicated, but basically 
financial advisors manage assets and they want to grow their businesses by getting more people to put more assets under their management, right? So, but the challenges around that are actually quite severe. So you get it wrong, you're not gonna grow your business. So we basically created this lead magnet that was targeted to problem aware people. They knew that they had a problem in scaling their assets under management. What we did was we created a guide, which was seven critical financial mistakes to avoid when scaling your AUM. Now, seven critical mistakes is super specific. It's actionable as in like, I don't want to have those mistakes happen to me. It's goal orientated as in like, Hey, I want to scale my business. And it's just well-defined to where they're at in their kind of awareness journey, whether they call it that or think of it like that or not. Right. So basically we created this guide and kind of people were downloading that, but here's the, honestly, here's where I think the magic happens. And what most people get wrong is that most people will just at the end of that form where they ask someone for a name and address or whatever it is that people are asking, they'll just put the PDF on the page or like say, download your PDF, right? That that's a massive opportunity missed for most SaaS businesses. You've got their email address, send them the PDF, like in just say, Hey, we're going to send you this guide in like five minutes, but these people were problem aware. We wanted to get them to solution aware. So what did we say? We said like on their thank you page that came after the form fill, basically, are you looking for a simpler way to scale your assets under management? It's aligned to the problem that they already said that they had. And basically we said, Hey, look, if you're looking to do this, here's a short video. It's a demo of the product that can help you do this. And then we made the offer to take a 30 day free trial, right? So that was contextualized to the stage of awareness that the buyer was at. We said to them, like, you're going to get this guide. So like, you can go away if you want, like, it's just going to be emailed to you in a couple of minutes. And by the way, that video that we provided, it's demo video, it takes five minutes to watch. And basically, Hey, it's a, like, why don't you just spend five minutes trying to solve your problem more effectively? Five to 10% of people who saw that became trial starters, right? And that's compared to 2.5% on non-contextualized offer pages. So the kind of the classic version. So it's a huge uptick. So what are we doing with the emails? Well, some people are converting right away. Like they're turning into trials. And if you do a 30 day free trial, you've probably got a product led growth motion as well. You should be having effective, effective qualification from like product led signals, as well as demographic and firmographic signals. You shouldn't be an SQL just because you started a trial. That's kind of like madness. That's why you end up with low conversion rates when you do lead magnet downloads, basically. Instead, qualify them better over that 30 day free trial. And you end up with like people who are sales are getting like highly qualified leads because these people are engaged product users who fit the demographic and firmographic of the, of the ideal customer. So yeah, like that's how that works. It's like, it's not magic. It's just like super systematic. And that's what you have to be with lead magnet downloads in order to actually make them work for you. Nice. Okay, cool. So I'll recap that a little bit for mainly for myself, but also hopefully for, for the listeners here. <laughs> so number one, like strategy, making sure that the content itself is very like aligned with 
um, what they are looking for and what you actually do, right? Like finding that, yeah. that sweet spot there in what are we going to, what, what, like what type of content do we want them to read and why? And it becomes kind of like, because it's so sp specific, it becomes a like qualification tool almost for you as well, right? Where it's like, this person has basically said, 100%. I am looking for this exact like type of tool in a way. And then you, unlike most SaaS companies, uh, instead of just taking them directly to the PDF or just emailing them, you have like a nice like thank you page, letting them know like where they can find the asset that they just exchanged valuable mm -hmm. information for, but also are saying like, hey, you basically qualified saying you're interested in doing X, Y, and Z. Like here's how we accomplish X, Y, and Z, right? And going as yeah. far as putting a demo video and a compelling offer, right? So. So not a buy our exactly. high ACV product, but a free trial type offer, or even maybe like try the product depending on your go to market. Right. So that's like a, that's, that's mm -hmm. the recap of, you know, how, how do you set up a campaign like this? And then I think now we can go into the, that next part of, okay, great. Like that's the, the five, 10% or whatever that could, that convert there which is still great and very like impressive, yeah. especially considering those numbers we were saying before, what 0.01%, right? And now we're talking about from yeah. the get-go, not three months later, six months later, a year later, where it might've been other touch points that actually influenced it. We're saying like, this was clearly mm. from this campaign. So that's great. And also on the yeah, content side, 100%. being able to prove your worth, right? And prove like content makes a difference. So that's, that's a nice, like kind of yeah. short term, but then for the, for the longer term, for that ever, the other, like 95% of people at any given time that are not ready to buy, what do you do with that, those emails? Yeah. Well, that's a, one of those things where working with a partner who's basically across many different channels is, is actually good. So our playbook here is again, pretty straightforward. Like it's not rocket science, but basically there's two like main things that you can do with that. The first thing is pretty obvious you email them, right? So if you have their email, because, you know, at the end of the day, they've, they've given you their email to download the lead magnet, you have some level of understanding of where they might be at in their journey. You create workflows in your marketing automation tool that are basically like pain point related emails, the sort of thing that you would tell somebody who, if you were able to get them onto the phone or, you know, whatever, based on their downloading, what information would you give that person to actually try to convince them to build on their, you know, their readiness to buy or their, their awareness around the product category? That's the kind of like immediate email over time. When somebody exits those kind of like, Hey, you've downloaded this, let's maybe like build your awareness kind of campaign, like immediate next steps. You've got to be delivering content to them. That's actually useful. Now, Camille, you mentioned in our emails and I know that you get our Monday morning email. And one of the things that we've always tried to do with email is like basically go, look, it's obvious that if a company is emailing you them, you, they probably want you to buy from them at some point. Right. But not everyone is going to do that as you just said. So instead let's like provide value in the same way that, you know, you do, for example, on your, your LinkedIn, right. It's just a different channel. You're providing value. You're helping people solve problems that they're having. And the playbook is just the exact same, but for email first. So there's like a couple of things with email. The other thing is to retarget people on LinkedIn, on Twitter, on Facebook, 
you know, it it just retargeting people is such a such a low hanging fruit for most SaaS businesses in B two B. But it's amazing how many people don't ever pick the fruit, right? They don't actually go off and say, okay, look, these people have told me because they've landed on X page on my website, like what they're interested in. So like, for example, take our assets under management thing. Like if that was our, that client, we'd be serving campaigns to their ICP, uh, basically retargeted campaigns that, that did the same thing as well that we were trying to do with email just it's creepy but you're following people around the internet because they've told you that they'd be interested potentially <laughs> like that's what you're doing and over time you can you can kind of build on that because as people interact with your your posts or whatever they're seeing more people and that is when that demand gen stuff that people really like get off on on linkedin comes into play because if I'm a person who's selling to financial advisors and I know that there's like that I'm connecting with people. I'm tr I'm writing content about it. That's when that playbook is useful. You know, that kind of refine labs thing, that's really effective at that point. But there's a whole bunch of stuff that people should also be doing to develop the pipeline in a way that de-anonymizes their market as well. It's a couple of punches at once rather than just like one. Uh, haymaker or whatever. I'm not a boxing fan, so I don't really know if that's the right <laughs> thing to say, but I think it might be. <laughs> no, no, there's a lot of like really great stuff in that to parse out. So uh, one thing that came to mind was, again, going back to kind of like that qualification, but also like personalization on messaging, right? So by downloading mm -hmm. this thing or by, you know, opting into the newsletter, whatever it is, like they were trying to get something specific out of it. So that I think the retargeting, the retargeting yeah. plays is smart. And then there is like the general marketing that you can do after that. Of Like there's a newsletter, it goes to everybody. It's not necessarily personalized, but there's also kind of like this other thing that's very effective in sales and that um, we've started doing a little bit of in gated pieces as well. So it's this idea of like, asking the follow-up question of typically like we see that people come to us for or that people request a demo because of x y and z right and you know like those value props mm. like you know what those reasons are and that's something that's like done in sales and so like the idea of taking this into marketing or taking this into kind of like salesy marketing with gated pieces is like hey why did you download this? Or like, we typically see that people are downloading this because of like X, Y, and Z reason, right? So you can figure out like exactly mm. what that messaging would be, but that's like something that we do is kind of like a conversation starter, but also market research, right? Of like, why do people care about this? And what are their roles basically, right? Because essentially they'd be like, because another way that we'll do this is like, typically like, you know, we'll see that either AEs are looking at this because of this. Leaders are looking at it because of this. We simplify it to basically just like, are you are you an AE? Are you a sales leader? Are you this? And that like helps us as well to be like, oh, this type of content is appealing to to this type of audience. You should kind of know that ahead of time. But you're kind right. of just checking checking your theory of like some something that's surprising to me sometimes is like, oh, this was meant for an AE, but an interesting interestingly enough, like sales leaders are also looking at it in part because yeah. from a training or yeah. coaching perspective, right. Of like, they still want to know like the best practices, right. So that they can then coach their team on those best practices mm. too. So kind of like verifying uh, your strategy in some ways and verifying like your market of like, who's interested in this, you know, what type of content should we continue to make? 
why are they interested in this? And then that'll yeah. give you some pointers on what to do next. Yeah, so, yeah so absolutely. Yeah. The next portion of this is really just, yeah, distribution. You, you I mentioned this, like, I think quite a bit in terms of like uh, giving some tips on you can retarget them. Uh, you can email them with a newsletter, some of those other mm -hmm. tips. The other portion of this though, is like the distribution of the piece itself. So going back to the beginning of when you are creating a campaign like this, how do you point people in the direction of the gated asset, right? So I'll list off like some things to get mm. us going, but you know, you, I've seen that we've all seen the paid ads, right? Where it's like a little teaser of like, <laughs> here's the cheat sheet or like, here's the ebook, right? So there's, mm. there's that style of, of using paid ads. There are the pop-ups that you can do on, on blogs. There's leveraging your chatbot. Yeah. but let's just dive into kind of like other ways to distribute content, which is I think with what a lot of content marketers struggle with. Sure. Well, look, this is actually really interesting because one of the assumptions that a lot of people make is that like, if I get somebody's email address, I can know, like, I no longer need to send them to a lead magnet, right? That's actually not true. And when you think about it, like if I get somebody's email address, because I hope you don't mind me using you like this as an example, but like, yeah, do it. so you come along to one of our masterclasses, like a webinar basically. And after that, I mercilessly add you to our mailing list, right? Now, you joined our kind of pipeline as a person who at some point might go, hey, maybe I should hire Powered by Search. Like, I'm not saying you're going to, but maybe you will. So what do I do? Like, I send you potentially a follow-up email sequence. And, you know, d depending on when you actually joined our, uh, <laughs> joined our database, like, I, maybe this was in place, maybe it wasn't. But basically, like, okay, here's the five pieces of content that you most need to see to understand how Powered by Search works. Like, that could be an email that I send you. Now, within all of those, e all of those articles, like, because we are extremely focused on building awareness, like you're going to go off into different, different blog posts based on your kind of interests from that because of internal linking and stuff like that. At the same time, I can also offer you on based on that stuff, either by email or by literally just linking you to it from each blog post, like a relevant way to continually engage with us. So maybe that is sign up for some sort of like content download. Maybe it's access a webinar that we put behind a paywall or whatever. Not a paywall, a gate. That's the journalism world. And then like, that's, that's the kind of the, the most basic way. But the other way is also just appreciating that like, okay, like you've created this content. Why not just repurpose it and like use it ungated again? So like twisting this around and going, well, it's a valuable piece of content. If I believe that somebody wants to give me their email address and is, if I genuinely am selling someone, well, giving someone a free piece of content that is actually valuable versus like, here's my email address, I could take that and turn it into 20 different things to the extent that somebody keeps going like, wow, those guys keep delivering great content. I should go off to their website and check it out. And then they find a different lead magnet that's interesting to them. And it's all awareness building. It's like this matrix of kind of like, that's a matrix by the way, of like basically touch points and ways to continually build awareness. You can't think of it as a linear journey because people don't buy like that. They don't consume content like that. It's a choose your own adventure thing, right? There's a million different ways to get to the point where you end and there's a whole bunch of different endings as well that's how you have to think about this and just go 
okay, it's not perfect, but I'm plugging away at it. Like I'm going to get more content into the hands of the right people over time. And it's going to become more and more effective as it builds. It's a, you know, sorry to say it, but it's a flywheel, right? <laughs> You've got to keep on developing it in order for it to actually be effective. Nice. Yeah. Those are some really good tips for, for that back end and like what you do next. And then still going back to, I know I've gone super out of order here. So still going back to um, like the original gated asset piece, <laughs> are there any other tactics like that yeah. you would recommend for distribution there of like, let's, I'm just like doing this from scratch, right? Like how do I point people like to this asset other than let's say like paid social or within paid social, you might have like specific tactic in there that, that work well, sure. but just any other things that people not, might not think of if it's their first time. Yeah. I mean, look, there's no reason that you can't create a blog post that is basically there in order to get somebody to, from search pages. So the, from the SERP directly to your website, to a place where you can say to them, Hey, like de-anonymize yourself, you know, with this lead magnet that we've created and offer it to them there. Like that's a, that's one that people don't think about because people say, oh, well, if I'm creating a new blog post, it's going to take X, X number of months or whatever to rank properly or, you know, like, but it's a huge opportunity. You're going to create it anyway. Why not just think, okay, what lead magnet can I put in a meaningful way? Or like, can I offer people in this blog post? The other thing is like people are creating so much content for YouTube these days as well. Like content marketers who maybe have just only just invested in going after like one new like channel. People click those YouTube links all the time. They're at the, you know, either in the actual, what do you call them? Like the CTAs in the actual video itself or in the video show notes, right? The description, like people click that stuff. I also know that people click a huge number of links in podcast show notes which absolutely baffles me, but we put UTM parameters on our podcast links and like people do stuff based on them. Like leads come in based on clicking those show note links. So there is so much content that you're putting out there where all you do is just say, oh, you know what? If you like this thing, you should also try this other thing that we've got. And yeah, you're going to have to give me your email address, but like, it's going to be great. And that's, that's how I think about it. Yeah, no, all of those are super valuable. And so it's got the cogs turning here, but I know we're uh, right, right up around time. So let me know if you have a hard stop or else we can keep going. Yeah. I, I think I have a couple of minutes. It's the kid's bedtime as well. So, but they are actually out on a walk with my wife. So it's all quiet at the moment, but if you do hear them, I may have to leave. <laughs> no, no, I, I think we covered uh, all the logistics. We got pretty nitty gritty here, so I'm happy with it. I think I just want to end with this idea of when to create or when to gate content, right? Like, and just kind of like aligning on that. So I'll give my kind of like two cents mm -hmm. or just at least my evolving theories on some of this. So there, if you're creating a new category or if you are, if you have a lot of people just in the, the problem awareness kind of like stage or or before the problem awareness, right? Where like they're still not bought into it or they're still not bought into the idea that it even warrants a solution. That type of stuff with reports and stats and uh, just awareness type content. Like I kind of want to just, I, I want as many people to look at that as possible. Like I, I want to sort of like evangelize the problem, right? And so I've been thinking more and more about not gating sort of like that type of content but then a little bit like farther down in the funnel. So some of these things you mentioned, like 
awareness with the blogs, right? Or awareness with social content. But some of those like next steps, like awareness with podcasts, right? But then some of those next steps being like kind of qualify yourself or opt in to like kind of like this next step, which is like very specific tips for dentists, right? Looking to optimize or scale, you know, like now you're saying like, oh, you're actually like a legitimately like a good prospect, a good buyer for us, right? By opt and we can give you some... Mm some content to help you in the short term, but also kind of like help us know who you are and give you more content that's relevant to you, right? Kind of defining those mm. paths. So, you know, that's like one way that I've started thinking about it is like at what at what stage does it make sense to gate? And then when you get to the very end too, if you're like very bottom stage, kind of you talked a little bit about case studies and maybe like white papers, but comparison pages, like when you're mm -hmm. that like close to the end of your journey, like, I think it's kind of silly to gate any of that content. Like, why would you gate a case study? You know what I mean? Like, I would pay yeah, yeah, good money 100%. for somebody to look at look at our case study, but I've heard of that being done. So anyways, I that's kind of like how I'm thinking about, you know, gating versus ungating and, there's, and not necessarily being black and white, but there being some clear, like, yeah. use, like, just lose, use a little bit of logic with it, right? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, like you mentioned the kind of the comparison pages, case studies. We actually have this playbook that we call the authority architecture, which talks about the ideal architecture of a SaaS website that we have found to be high converting. And those things that you mentioned there, case studies, comparison pages, use case pages, those are all in like product aware. If you get to that, like you need that stuff on the website as well, ungated. You shouldn't gate every page on your website, right? Obviously that would be absolutely, like you'd be unhinged if you did that. You should think about if you're in one of those industries where you need to capture a small number of people, but ultimately like they're going to be out of market for a while, like you need a couple of customers because so, you've got a high ACV project, think about developing one lead magnet for each one of the stages of awareness and then a contextualized offer after that. And maybe your campaigns that go along with the, the kind of next steps that that's how I'd think about it if I was going to develop this from scratch for somebody. Like, okay, what do we have at the problem aware stage? What makes sense at the solution aware stage? Versus like, should I gate everything? Drive people then to those things because, you know, it's like the, uh, you're creating leverage for yourself, right? You can do a heap of different things and you can create 50 different problem aware pieces or alternatively, you could just create one and go like, right now, that's what we're doing. That's the campaign. When that works, we might add a different one. Maybe we don't. That's how to think. That's the way to think about this, in my opinion. I think you got the right approach there, if I'm honest. And, you know, there are things that you don't want to gate for sure. So, yeah, use your judgment more than anything, like everything in marketing, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, don't take any <clears throat> marketing advice without doing your research, right? Is like what it comes down 100%. to. Um, it's like always, <laughs> always my theme that I want to communicate to, to anyone that's listening here too. But, you know, just like use your judgment on like what makes sense for my audience and also what would I do and what do I do? Like, how, how do I buy things mm. and when do I interact and when do I give away my email? So, Mark, thanks again for, for taking the time, going a little bit over here to dive deep into, into gated assets. So closing out, where can people find you? The best place to find me is just at poweredbysearch.com, but I'm also on LinkedIn. That's M-A-R-C if you're searching for Mark Thomas, not M-A-R-K. And yeah, find me there. 
Thanks for listening to Content Logistics. This episode is produced by Motion, a done-for-you B2B podcasting agency for busy marketers. If you liked what you heard, please follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.